I am Nicolas Bonois of CapitalLink, and I would like to welcome you all to today's webinar. This is our second webinar within CapitalLink's Japan Maritime series. On Thursday, October 28, 2021, we plan to host in Tokyo as a physical forum, our second Japan Maritime Forum. Between now and then, we will continue hosting on a regular basis a series of webinars that aim to feature and showcase the ongoing developments in Japan's vibrant maritime community and its continuing role and contribution to the global maritime industry. Today's uh, webinar is on a critical topic, both for Japan and also for the global industry. It's on the topic of the shipping industry. It's on the topic of uh, ship finance and capital raising opportunities in Japan. We are delighted to have with us uh, a terrific panel with top level uh, executives uh, and major market participants. We have with us two major uh, Japanese financiers, Mr. Takashiro Matsumoto from Financial Products Group and Mr. Koichi Onaka from Sumitomo Mitsui Trust Bank Limited. We have with us two major international shipping companies with a track record of successful capital raisings in Japan, Mr. Martin Wade from Greenroad Shipping and Mr. Simo Spiru from Star Bulk Carriers. And the moderator is Mr. Nicholas Duran, partner and director at Farnley Securities, a global investment bank with deep and significant involvement uh, arranging financings between Japanese institutions and global uh, shipping companies. I would like to thank our partners for these uh, webinars, DNVGL and Farnley Securities. And of course, I would like to thank again the panelists and uh, the attendees for making this uh, webinar such a success. Without any further delay, I will turn it over to Nicholas uh, to take over uh, the discussion. Again, thank you for being with us. I look forward to a great webinar. Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, introduction, uh, Nicholas. So uh, good afternoon and, and good morning uh, to all of you, uh, whether you're listening in or, or participating on, on the panel. Um, my name is Nicholas Duran. I uh, head up uh, Fernley Securities asset-backed financing business and uh, have been leading our efforts in, in the Japanese market uh, in recent years. I'm very pleased to have with us uh, a, a very strong panel uh, with players who have a significant footprint in the uh, Japanese uh, financing market, whether as uh, lenders or capital providers, uh, or as uh, borrowers um, uh, or, or lessees uh, towards the Japanese market. So with that, um, I would like to just give each panelist a few seconds to introduce themselves before we dive into a, a list of uh, questions and topics to be uh, discussed. So if we start with uh, with you, uh, Matsumoto-san, uh, mm -hmm. a few words from you on, on yourself and FPG. Yes, uh, thank you for it introducing me. Uh, I'm Takahiro Matsumoto of FPG. Uh, financial product group was established in November 2001 uh, by our current president, Mr. Tanimura. He used to work for the uh, Sumisho Leasing, one of the major leasing companies in Japan. 
Then he became a representative of ING Leasing at Tokyo representative. Then he established his own company uh, named uh, Financial Product Group. Uh, our main business is the uh, arranging the uh, Japanese operating lease product, mainly for the uh, aircraft, uh, vessel, and the uh, container box product. Current now, FPG is listed on, on the first section of the Tokyo Stock Exchange market, and we are the biggest equity underwriter in the market. Our business is approximately 60% comes from the uh, air, air, aircraft Joruko transaction and 25% for the vessel Joruko transaction, remaining 15% for the uh, container box transaction. Uh, 2020 was a very really, uh, tough year for us because of the uh, severe market slump in the airline market. However, the uh, shipping transaction uh, was relatively popular among the investors because the uh, shipping market market condition is much better than the uh, that of the inner airline market. So we are focusing for the arranged uh, deal for shipping transaction right now. Maybe we should say, Anaka-san, would you like to follow? Maybe we should just each introduce ourselves and move forward. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Koichi Naka from uh, Sumito Mitsui Trust and Bank. Well, I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you very much for the invitation to the panel. Uh, SMTB, Sumito Mitsui Trust Bank, is the one of the largest uh, senior uh, financing provider in Japan. The total exposure to maritime businesses at the moment approximately 14 billion US dollars, which is uh, the largest in Japanese market, I think. Out of which approximately 20% uh, exposure is to non-Japanese tonnage providers, shipping companies, and other other uh, players. And we are trying to increase the, that share uh, in order to grow our shipping uh, the business. Um, we are the only one, the signatory of uh, Poseidon Principal Association established uh, two years ago. And uh, uh, I am a steering, one of the steering committee members of it. Um, I am very happy to talk about that their activities in this panel, if somebody is interested. Thank you very much. Spiros. Uh, yes, good morning and uh, good afternoon to all. Uh, my name is Simo Spiru. I am a co-financial officer, uh, co-chief financial officer of uh, Starbal Carriers Corp. Uh, Starbulk is a dry uh, bulk shipping company. We currently have uh, 119 dry bulk vessels ranging from uh, Supra Maxis uh, up to Newcastle Maxis. 
uh, almost uh, evenly split between uh, the three asset classes. I mean, uh, Supra Sultras, uh, Kamsar Max, Panamaxis, and uh, uh, Capes, and uh, Newcastle Maxis. Uh, we are uh, probably among uh, the, the largest uh, uh, dry bulk operator, uh, public operator in, uh, in uh, New York, uh, in the New York market. And uh, we currently are uh, quite active in, uh, in uh, the Japanese uh, uh, financial market. We have uh, recently closed our eighth transaction uh in uh, in the japanese market uh, financing we have approximately 10 percent of our uh, current debt exposure uh, uh, from uh, the japanese uh, market okay thank you very much and i'm very sorry for the interruption my uh, uh audio and uh, webcam system just went completely haywire so can you all hear me now yes yeah Okay, great. Again, sorry. So, uh, to, thanks for the intros. Um, uh, excuse me, Nicholas. I haven't, yeah. I haven't introduced myself. Oh, I'm very Thank sorry, you. Martin. Sorry, I I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very quick. Sorry, M Martin Wade. I'm the CEO of Grinrod Shipping Holdings. Uh, we're, we're listed on, on the NASDAQ in New York. Uh, we're an owner-operator, predominantly dry cargo these days, with around uh, 40, uh, 40 handies and super ultra max. Uh, all Japanese, we focus very much on, on the Japanese uh, market. Um, we've been active in Japan for over 25 years. Uh, we've only ever ordered new buildings in Japan. We charter Japanese. So uh, we do have a bit of a love affair, which is quite well known on, on, on the market. And uh, we believe in the Japanese brand. And we've done a number of sale and lease backs and also financing with, with several Japanese banks. So uh, it's uh, one of my favorite uh, countries in the world. I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, Martin. I, I have all of you now been introduced. I, I couldn't hear while you were all talking earlier, so apologies for that. Um, so let's jump into to, uh, our um, first question. Uh, and I guess we can start by asking uh, uh, SMTV as a lender uh, this question. What type of Japanese financing products are currently available to overseas ship owners uh, and which ones uh, uh, are, are um, call it the most prevailing these days. If you could start with that, Omakasan. Uh, okay, um, we are a commercial bank, so naturally our main product is senior secured loans to our customers. Uh, we do not provide equities, and very few are uh, the mezzanine type of our financial products. And uh, so that's our, the, our position. And in, in this, uh, the maritime market situations, uh, the, the typical type of our finance to tonnage providers, the shipping companies uh, with their long-term uh, employment, with the, uh, the very liquid uh, uh, the, the assets, namely dry bulks. And uh, uh, well, Japanese uh, shipping companies are uh, most popular 
as AIR uh, employers. But those kinds of uh, transactions are very limited at this moment. So uh, in a nutshell, we are now very, really, uh, how can I say, difficult to find. It's a very conventional, typical transaction. So uh, trying to provide senior leverage to Joruko transactions or uh, looking for the opportunities to work with uh, some equity funds in the future. That's, a, that's our situation. Okay, thank you. And, and Matsumoto-san, uh, sitting at, at the major, uh, call it equity, Joko underwriter, uh, you obviously also work with overseas lenders. So that means that you're maybe involved in, in um, transactions covering more debt providers than, than just the Japanese banks. What kind of products are you see, uh, do you see being offered to Western uh, or overseas ship owners these days uh, with some kind of link uh, to Japan? Yeah. Uh, we are, uh, our customers are uh, various shipping company and tonnage providers all over Japan. And the, our product is uh, uh, arranging the Joruko transaction, working with the uh, commercial render. And sometimes we compete with the other product. That is the, some cases, uh, uh, BBC or TC, whose vessels owned by Japanese ship owners, or some cases, Chinese leasing companies. Especially, uh, we will compete with some cases, uh, uh, Chinese leasing companies. Uh, from the uh, cost competitiveness, uh, Joruko will be the uh, most probably the cost competitive product in the current market situation. However, the, uh, we do not provide enough uh, flexibility to the charters. We can only provide one time purchase option. However, the, uh, some other product, uh, Chinese leasing company product, uh, Japanese ship owner product, they can provide the multiple purchase option. Some cases of purchase obligation. But the, we have a product that the Japanese operating this product. So uh, that is an option, also the one-time purchase option. So uh, there's a, some difference criteria for the products. So some uh, shipping company prefer the, uh, our product. Other company may prefer the more flexible product. That would be the, judged by the uh, charter's intention to use the uh, asset for how long they are going to use or how would like to have the flexibility or not. That make a decision for them. Okay, thank you. If we try to, to hear uh, the perspectives of someone sitting on the other side of the table, uh, maybe uh, you, Simos, could, could um, tell us what you're seeing from Japan. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough to work with your company on some transactions in Japan, um, but we do know that you have done different structures uh, and uh, have been exploring uh, various types of, of financing alternatives not just the traditional sale and lease back. Maybe you can tell us a bit what, uh, what you've been seeing. Absolutely, Nicolas. Uh, the Japanese market is, uh, I would say, very relationship-driven. 
we have been cultivating this relationship for many years until we managed to close our first transaction uh, together uh, a couple of years ago. And over the last two years, we have closed uh, eight transactions of almost uh, having, uh, 150 million in total. Uh, most of our transactions were, as you said, uh, leasing deals uh, with highly esteemed Japanese ship owners. But we have also closed three traditional uh, senior uh, financing uh, deals as well. Uh, on the uh, senior financing transactions, uh, they're usually provided by either mega banks or the local banks or financial arms of uh, big groups. Uh, the senior debt is typically between 60 to 80% LTV uh, with standard tenors between uh, five to seven years, uh, with standard amortization profiles about 15 years and, uh, and a covenant light package, I would say. Uh, usually consisting of uh, security coverage only. Uh, we have done three transactions in this space with about 50 million in total uh, single vessel financings. On the operating leasing uh, side, uh, basically uh, the operating lease is funded by uh, an equity investment, which is provided by a Japanese financial SIP owner and senior debt, which is provided usually by local Japanese bank, banks, uh, which is driven by the relationship with the, uh, directly with the Japanese uh, ship owner. Uh, the main terms there, uh, again, uh, there is usually very high leverage uh, with long tenors between seven to 10 years, uh, long amortization profiles and uh, quite attractive pricing. Uh, again, very light uh, covenant package. And uh, uh, in this space, we have uh, closed uh, five transactions, uh, single vessel uh, transactions, again, of about 100 million in total over the last two years. Uh, as uh, my other uh, co-panelists have uh, mentioned uh, there is a preference over Japanese built vessels uh, and uh, uh, time charters uh, to be attached on the uh, on the uh, leasebacks uh, however uh, we have seen and we have done transactions uh, with uh, involving top tier Chinese vessels as well and uh, we have, as we are sensitive on that, we have done transactions primarily that uh, there is no uh, uh, time charter attached, which was uh, one of our main priorities uh, in this market. Uh, finally, the other product is the, the so-called JOLCO, the Japanese operating leases with uh, call options, usually preferred uh, for uh, new building vessels uh, we we haven't done any such transaction uh, so far. Uh, we haven't financed any new building so far uh, in the Japanese market. Okay, thank you. Um, I think one thing that's always characterized the, the Japanese uh, market, whether it's the ship finance uh, side of it or, or uh, uh, other parts of the call it maritime market related to Japan, there's always been a bit of mystique surrounding that market. And 
you know, we already live in a fairly complex world where a lot of um, changes uh, and shifts have taken place during the last 12 months, not only due to COVID, but especially in our industry due to uh, a, a very a quick ramp up of, of uh, people's focus on, on uh, uh, emissions and the technology shift, etc. Um, that, that's driven by, by uh, you know, the, the chase towards reducing the carbon footprint. So with all these things in mind, what's your view on the current state uh, of the Japanese financing market? And do you think, how do you see that things like this technology shift and, uh, and new emissions regulations have been shaping and will be shaping the Japanese financing market in the near term? Uh, maybe we can start with uh, with Omakasan. Okay, thank you. Well, that's a really good question to be asked. And um, well, needless to say, uh, the emission ESG SDG, if you like, uh, the changing uh, situation is very critical and important. And uh, the key is. Uh, uh, who bears the cost for those changings? And uh, we do not have any, you know, clear and right answers for it. So at this moment, Japanese players are carefully watching what's going on in the European market and other, you know, maybe North American uh, space. So that, that is a situation. And uh, uh, because of that, uh, we do not have uh, the new investment in uh, new ships at this moment. So that's the reason why uh, the typical type of our, the finance opportunities are very limited. As I mentioned, long-term employment with uh, uh, very decent uh, the credits like our, you know, Starbuck and Green Lot and providers. So those transactions are very crowded. So many new uh, the players, local uh, the banks who have not financed the shipping space in history. So the, for banks, it is getting more difficult to finance in a, those typical type of uh, the finance uh, opportunities. But once again, from now on, those are new uh, phenomena in their uh, emission uh, and the new uh, regulations would be there one of the most important issues. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, Matsumoto-san, um, FPG, like most of the other JOLCO-related uh, players, have uh, always been quite keen on you know, large size container ships uh, with long-term charters to, to the major liner companies. And in that segment, you know, for mega container ships, there has actually been quite a large number of vessels ordered and now also built and delivered 
with things like uh, dual fuel LNG propulsion, which I think most people can agree is will be considered a transitional fuel rather than what we'll be seeing 20, 30 years from now necessarily. Uh, but as a Jolco player and, and someone who has a quite a big exposure to the container industry, how do you uh, see these uh, changes in, in uh, technology and, and what's your eagerness on financing uh, vessels with, with call it future oriented propulsion systems, etc. Yeah, Pesto uh, itself is ordered by Chatera. Uh, that's why we don't have a specific preference on the ESG friendly design. Uh, most important thing for us is the, in the Jorgo transaction, one of the requirement when we select the potential transaction is the whether Joruko asset is core free for the charter or not. In other words, whether the charter has the intention to use the Joruko asset beyond the purchase option timing or not. We are relatively flexible on the type of asset or specification of the asset. If the, we can confirm that the, the answer is yes to the previous question, so yeah, so uh, as long as the charter has an intention to use it for, for a long term basis, uh, we can uh, accept such kind of uh, vessel and we will proceed for the transaction. Okay, thank you. Moving on to an inevitable topic, um, you know, COVID, the COVID pandemic and how that's affected um, I guess not our industry as a whole, because that's a larger topic, but, but uh, the access to the Japanese uh, ship financing market and, uh, and uh, the ability to, to transact in that market for Western owners. Uh, you know, in our firm, we see that, for example, not being able to travel to Japan actually has an impact because while we believe that the whole world has got more accustomed to having teams and zoom meetings um, there is still a, a tangible value in in being able to go and, and, and meet people face to face um, so that's one thing but looking at something more major like um, you know all the charter renegotiations that we've seen among some of the dry cargo players uh, that have been ongoing with local ship owners obviously affecting uh, the local banks etc uh, things like the uh, covid uh, pandemics impact on the airline industry to which jolko has a has a big exposure maybe we can take continue with you matsumoto san and get uh, your views on on covid's impact on on the market yeah although the uh, covid 19 made us a negative impact on the shipping company, the level of the impact was much smaller than that on the airline market. That means uh, investor see the uh, vessel Jorko and container box transaction, container box Jorko as a safer investment compared with the aircraft Jorko, in which some of the some of them had the negative experiences such as airline bankruptcy or rescheduling. Uh, therefore, the investor tend to prefer the vessel Jorko or container box Jorko if 
tax merit is the same. Yeah, we are aware some of the uh, small uh, operator may have a little bit struggle to arranging the daily cash flow, but the overall industry uh, conditions, uh, shipping industry is much healthier, especially for the liner company in the recent few months. Okay, thank you. Uh, Martin, if we, if we go to you, obviously Greenrod uh, and the, the Greenrod Group being a player that's um, almost famous for having a very long track record in Japan uh, and having done a lot, lot of transactions with uh, uh, the local ship owners and, and uh, uh, then again supported by the local banks. I guess we can agree that uh, you've built that, that business through a lot of hard effort over the years, traveling back and forth to Japan, sitting down, meeting with people, meeting with the banks. Uh, it's required putting in a lot of face time. Obviously for the last 10 months, you haven't been able to do that to a large extent, at least not in the same way as before. How have you seen this impact your business and your access to that market? Very good point. Uh, as Seymour said, Japan is all about relationships. And I suppose we've been fortunate having been there so long that yes, normally I'm up in Japan four or five times a year and, and uh, it's nonstop. And so yes, the uh, karaoke and sake over many, many years, it works. But what we have done in that process of course is built relationships. So for us, it hasn't had much of an effect. Yes, we're on the phone. We, we did a sale and lease back, uh, back in uh, November into December with people we've done business with before. So we have been very fortunate because we put the hard yards in and, and, and the thing about Japan, it is relationships. Once you have the trust, you honor it. You don't renegotiate and, and you have to behave. And, and I think we've been very fortunate in, in, in that respect. For others, I can imagine it is gonna be very tough. And it's something that the, the industry as a whole, because we are shipping it is, to, to be blunt, it, it's not what you know, it's who you know and who you trust. And without that face-to-face -face interaction, it's something that going forward, we, we've got to get back to, otherwise, it's going to be problems. So uh, we have been fortunate in, in that respect. And but otherwise, yes, Zoom on, on calls regularly, chatting, keeping in touch with people, but it's not the same. Okay, thank you. Uh, I, I guess that puts you at the advantageous or companies like Starbuck and yourself at the advantageous situation since you already put in a lot of that work. But I guess that also makes it harder for new uh, prospective entrants into that market to, to get in there because uh, it's not the same trying to set something up for the first time over Zoom or, or, or Teams in that, uh, in that market. At least uh, that's my experience. Yes, it is. But as we saw with the Shima the other day, which was interesting, that the fact that for the first time in 45 years, they actually went to Greece, albeit fantastic names, of course, so I think it's inevitable that, that, that Japan will change to, to a degree, and, and, but it, it takes time. But again, I think they will be picking the names they want to do business with, which is the important thing. And you've got to have the balance sheet and, and the reputation and, and, and track record. Okay, thank you. Um, now that we've seen basically the rest of the world, uh, Europe and the US, um, not only move into, but having now been in the low interest rate environment for a very long time, uh, one would think that uh, that would give um, 
or that, that, that the capital emanating from, from Western capital sources on the debt side uh, would be cheaper. Um, and in that sense, put the traditionally very cheap Japanese uh, debt, not at the same advantage as it's had historically, you know, Japan having lived in a zero interest rate environment for decades now. Um, if we start with, with, uh, with Onaka-san, do you see uh, that you're getting increased competition from Western lenders, or do you feel that they are kind of a different part of the universe to what the Japanese megabanks are and where they're playing? Onaka-san, that one's uh, for you. If you're still there. Okay, then I guess we can uh, address that question to someone on the other side of the table. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. You're back. Okay, I'm coming back. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, well, well, I do not think Japanese capital market competitiveness uh, will be affected by other interest rates situations. Financial competitiveness, the actual interest rates, but also uh, the risk appetite and also, uh, you know, uh, the e e risk tolerance, if you like. And uh, those uh, situation uh, has not changed at all. And still, Japanese finance is very active under these uh, uh, conditions. That's the, uh, the first reason why the Japanese market competitiveness uh, will not be affected. Now, secondly, uh, quite a big portion of uh, Japanese uh, the market debts are US dollars denominated. So uh, in US dollars transactions, the Japanese market low interest rates are not necessarily uh, the advantage for competitiveness. Thank you. Okay, uh, I think uh, if we move to, to, uh, to CMOS, I'd like to get your views on this as well, but just throwing in there that um, when you do a lot of these leases with uh, the local investors or local owners in Japan, that are supported by the local smaller banks in, in Japan. Uh, very often those loans or the back leverage that they get uh, is in, in Japanese yen. So they, they have been willing to take that, call it uh, currency risk uh, in order to tap into that, uh, call it cheaper uh, currency uh, debt. Uh, have you seen, you know, what's your view on that? When you have done your leases, uh, have you seen that any of that uh, currency risk is transferred to you? And do you think that that will change now that we've seen, you know, consistently very low interest rates in US dollars? Or how do you view that situation? Well, uh, Nicholas, the, uh, the global... Uh shipping financial landscape has changed tremendously over the last 10 years. 
we've seen over the last decade uh, traditional big Western uh, European and American banks uh, gradually getting out of shipping. Uh, we've seen other sources of financing uh, like uh, capital markets, I mean, public equity, private equity, uh, bonds uh, diminishing tremendously over, uh, over the years. And uh, this has uh, supported, basically, uh, created opportunities for the Japanese uh, uh, operating lease uh, structures and investors uh, who have uh, entered, uh, you know, who have expanded actually uh, in, with relationship, uh, relationships globally. Uh, from our perspective as a SIP owner, uh, the lower interest rates mean uh, primarily that there is, there is more competition in pricing of loans uh, from European and US banks uh, versus the Japanese market. Uh, Western banks that remain active in the SIP financing are now offering very attractive pricing terms, uh, which get even more attractive when they compete to get high quality names uh, as clients. After all these years, lenders have become quite selective uh, and when they compete to get top tier clients, they offer quite competitive uh, pricing. Uh, the prime competitive advantage so far of the Japanese financing in this low interest rate uh, environment remains the high leverage uh, that they still can offer versus the Western European banks. On the other hand, we have to add the competition that is gradually uh, getting uh, stronger uh, from China. We've seen the Chinese uh, banks and uh, Chinese leasing houses uh, beca becoming more aggressive and more competitive over the last uh, few years. They offer now competitive terms. They've lowered significantly their pricing and they are able to offer, to, uh, offer big tickets at uh, lower costs and with uh, quite high leverage as well. Uh, so this is another source of competition for, for the Japanese market. Uh, to come back to your question, Nicolas, from uh, the Japanese uh, financier perspective, uh, I believe that the price competition that uh, is uh, now uh, being faced uh, with, uh, in this low interest rate environment uh, will mean that the yield spread from uh, the new USD-denominated uh, uh, loans uh, versus the domestic rates will decrease, uh, thus reducing the profitability uh, for uh, the Japanese financier. Uh, and I also assume that the short-term USD depreciation versus the, the Japanese yen uh, is also not positive uh, for the value of uh, the loan portfolios, uh, which are denominated in USD, for the Japanese banks. But I believe that this is more of a short-term issue rather than, uh, you know, a long-term issue for the Japanese financiers. Okay. Thank you. Um, jumping on to... to um another topic which uh, which I find quite interesting, which was kind of unthinkable a few years ago, if you ask me, is uh, the examples that we've seen in the recent, call it 12 to, to 18 months, of uh, Japanese uh, tonnage providers who traditionally have also been involved in sale and lease backs and long-term charters out with options, etc. 
now accepting uh, equity in listed uh, Western listed shipping companies um, as equity component in certain transactions. So for example, uh, a leasing company doing a say lease back with a listed Western owner, but taking stock rather than cash as the equity part of the capital structure in the transaction. Now that is obviously a structure that I think would be extremely attractive to uh, quite a number of listed Western shipping companies. But do you think that we'll see more of that uh, in the future? I can maybe continue with you, Sivos. Uh, uh, thank you, Nicolas. Uh, Japanese capital for international shipping companies so far has almost exclusively come in the form of, uh, of debt. Uh, however, as Western banks reduce their exposure to shipping and regulation limit uh, leverage, eventually I believe that there will be an increased need for, to replace that capital with more uh, equity. Uh, given also the fatigue of uh, Western investors and capital markets, as we said before, in shipping, Combined with the lack of growth uh, in the Japanese shipping companies, I believe we could gradually see uh, Japanese equity funding uh, to increase uh, in international shipping companies. Uh, we have heard so far that some lessors are trying to move to transaction structures that include some sort of equity funding as well in order to enhance their returns. From our side as Starbulk, we haven't seen any such uh, trend yet. Uh, we haven't done any such transaction. And all of our lease transactions that we have done are pure debt deals without any equity component. Having said that, Starbuck is among the pioneers who have used their equity as a currency to acquire assets. During the last uh, three years, we have closed six transactions and we have bought approximately 50 vessels using a combination of debt financing and equity issued uh, at our net asset value. So uh, from our side, we would evaluate any such opportunity uh, if uh, given that we'd be offered in Japan uh, to issue equity as well, provided that of course, uh, it will not deteriorate our overall cost of capital. The equity will uh, be issued at net asset value or above and uh, that the overall transaction, of course, will be uh, accretive to our shareholders. Okay, thank you. Uh, Martin, uh, you also lead a, a uh, listed shipping company, uh, and you've been a, a player in the Japanese market for a very long time, so I guess your name is probably very familiar to, to a lot of people in Japan. Uh, what do you think about the prospects of... of uh, uh, more call it uh, equity uh, funding or, or transactions with an equity component coming from Japan going forward? It's interesting. Obviously, there have been a number of deals done. I would categorize the deals as two types, those that were willingly done and those that met whereby maybe the Japanese partner didn't have much of a choice in terms of either being renegotiated or, or, or even declined. So for us, on, on the positive side, it's something we look at but of course, at the moment, we all suffer from chronically depressed share prices, substantial discounts to NAV. And as Simos and Starbuck have done very well, they, they, they've been able to do NAV deals. Now, for our point of view, it would have to be NAV, NAV, which we've had discussions with. But of course, if someone comes in with, with such a, a low share price, then can they get out? And, and, and how much of the company do they then have? So 
it is difficult, but with, with the rapidly improving dry cargo market, I'm not going to jinx things. Uh, Petros warned me, I assume I said a little while ago, I don't say too much, but uh, you never know. We might get a decent market. And, and then I think where we start to get closer to NAV, I think this kind of deal could, could be of interest, yeah, as, as a way out. But at the moment, the, the, the disconnect is what we found is just too much where they would come in at NAV, they'd immediately get shares at a lower level and in effect be, be trapped in, in the company, which we wouldn't want either. So it is something, but I think we need that, that little bit better market. And, and then I think there can be some serious discussions, yeah. I think if, if that materializes, it will also be very interesting to see, you know, what the, call it investment horizon of, of uh, that type of, call it, uh, investor will, will have. You know, will they sit in the stock for a number of years? Or is it just a shorter term play to, to you know, tax some uplift and, and boost their call it blended returns? Um, well, it remains to be seen, but I think, I think that's a very interesting topic that uh, people should pay attention to because we have seen a few call it voluntary deals in the last 12 to 18 months. And, uh, and I have been surprised at some of the names that have succeeded in doing those deals because not all those companies have very liquid stock so um, so let's um, let's see. On to the next question. Uh, given given the turmoil of, of 2020, uh, do you think that the key criteria used by the Japanese financing institutions to evaluate uh, transactions with international or foreign foreign clients have those criteria changed, Onakasan? One for you. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, the answer is no, because, well, the COVID-19 is a black swan, indeed. But it's not a catastrophic disaster in a maritime space. Um, so the market is, for instance, uh, as uh, Matsumoto-san mentioned, less volatile than the aviation market. So uh, we believe we do not have to change uh, the key criteria to value uh, the, our customers' uh, financial fundamentals. Well, in long term, once again, the environmental regulations uh, tackling are more uh, critical to credit fundamentals of our customers, I believe. Thank you. Okay. Going back again to this uh, technology shift question, which, which we find uh, very uh, important these days. Uh, Matsumoto-san said earlier that, you know, the, the type of asset is not necessarily the issue here uh, to them. It's more whether it's considered a strategic and core asset to the client than you know, assuming the client is, uh, it has a strong enough balance sheet and, and, uh, and are attractive as a potential borrower, then, you know, FPG, for example, would provide finance to, to vessels also with, call it, uh, new propulsion systems. But I'd also like to expand that question a bit into totally new types of vessels. You know, we're seeing the emergence of the offshore wind industry, whereby a number of companies have started ordering and building. Well, a few have also in the past, but we're seeing more and more companies trying to get into that industry, building 
uh, offshore windmill installation vessels, for example, or um, service vessels for the windmill projects, so-called SOVs. Uh, Matsumoto-san, would you uh, look at financing that type of asset also? Uh, we're talking about assets that are in no way commoditized, you know, very specialized. And if the charter for some reason were to default, not necessarily an asset that you can just turn around and recharter or or uh, or sell with with ease. What's your view on that, Matsumoto-san? Yeah, uh, when we uh, consider the new transaction as the Joruko transaction, two important criteria is the uh, charter's credit and the uh, whether that is a co-fleet or not. If, we, if the, the, the potential transaction can meet those two criteria, even if the asset itself is uncertain, uh, one new type of the asset, but still, the, even if that project may not be successful, still the charter had the, uh, enough cash, uh, sufficient cash available for in the balance sheet. We can proceed for the transaction. Probably we may request a certain little bit stringent return condition, but in general, that kind of transaction can be acceptable to us. Okay, thank you. That, that, that's well, quite Nicholas, Nicholas, yeah, Nicholas, go may ahead. I, may I make one comment on that? Well, as a senior finance providers, uh, we've got their well, slightly different opinions. And as AR, their senior providers to Joruko transaction, uh, we do not prefer those uh, type of. Uh, assets like our you know uh the wind funds supporting vessels or uh some uh oil production type or either um because uh we've got uh, some fairly bad experiences on uh, that space so that's that that is my the comment thank you well, I think uh, at the moment, SMTV will probably do well to stay away from those segments because Western banks are bending over backwards to finance uh, those type of assets. And uh, it seems that uh, there's no limit to their appetite to funding anything green. So uh, the space is probably a good one to stay away from uh, in, in the near future if you want to see decent margins. That's, that's maybe our view, but thanks for your comment. Um, if we move on to um, call it the most significant future challenges to the Japanese uh, financing market, one point that was mentioned earlier was, uh, I think it was from CMOS, that the Japanese, uh, call it the J3, you know, the big, uh, big Japanese operators, uh, they have not succeeded, I guess, in expanding their business at the same pace uh, as they have historically, we have seen some kind of stagnation there. Uh, and you know that means that the whole uh, landscape within Japan has maybe shifted a bit. So in order for the Japanese financiers, whether they're mega banks, uh, Jolko Rangers, 
institutional investors, local owners, you know, for all of you to maintain the size of, of your exposure or business in, in the maritime industry, uh, you know, there will have to be a shift uh, abroad to a larger extent. How do you how do you see that going forward? Do you see that as a challenge, uh, or do you expect that you will just pick up more market share relative to your competitors and, and thereby maintain your your uh, your exposure, or, or do you think that you also need to increase your overseas business? Maybe that's one that's one for for FPG to start with. So, sorry. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. We are uh, plan to expand more business. Uh, yeah. And the, could you sorry? Could you say uh, your question again? Sorry. I guess. I, I guess as one of the significant future challenges to the Japanese financing market from a Japanese call it lender or capital providers perspective is the fact that your domestic business shipping business you know the nyk mol klan etc uh, their growth is stagnated so yeah. to the extent that you want to either maintain or grow your business you will most likely need to do more business with foreign ship owners do you see this as a challenge or a threat or do you feel that you are already in a position where you are spending a lot of your time working with foreign uh, borrowers and lessees. Yeah, from our business perspective, that to be the uh, opportunity because the, some of our competitor is taking a conservative approach when um, underwriting the equity for shipping uh, overseas shipping company right now because of uh, the uh, market slump in Japan, especially in the equity market. Uh, so. Some of the equity house are not um, have a confidence to sell the equity, but uh, we have a uh, many investors all over Japan. So we have a certain that the, some of the amount we can uh, surely can sell the Japanese market. So that's why the, we are uh, trying to find the more business opportunity, especially for the overseas shipping company. And the current now the uh, condition of the underwriting uh, economics is uh, slightly better than the last year. So that is a, a good timing for us to expand the business, overseas business. However, the uh, current market situation, especially for the liner shipping company, market condition is very good. Uh, that will improve the liquidity portion of the uh, cash uh, that will decrease the demand for the finance for uh, Jolco transaction. That is a sad thing, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you. The, moving uh, on to, or actually going back again to this sort of uh, everything related to the, to um, a greener future. Um, you know, we've seen that uh, a number of, uh, or that some Japanese banks have been vocal supporters of the Poseidon principles. Uh, this is a very hot topic with the with the Western uh, big lenders. How do you think that this will impact the Japanese market? You know, we understand that uh, mega banks such as uh, SMBC or SMTB or Mizuho obviously uh, feel both uh, the pressure and, and uh, it natural to to support this type of uh, or be vocal supporters of 
this type of uh, initiative. But how do you think that this will impact the broader market in Japan? You know, all the mid-sized banks and, and, and local banks, will they adopt these same principles and be as stringent when it comes to things like uh, green scrapping and, uh, and emissions uh, regulations? Or, or do you think that it, we'll see some time pass before you see the same adoption level in Japan as you've seen in the West? Maybe start with, with Onaka-san on that one. Well, thank you, Nicholas. Uh, I would say yes. Uh, the more the major banks, uh, especially mega banks, will follow us being a uh, signatories of uh, Poseidon principles. That is the only appropriate answer by the uh, one of the uh, steering committee member of BPA. And especially uh, since uh, Prime Minister Suga uh, stated that uh, Japan uh, is going to try to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emission by 50% by 2050. Uh, there, in, in all of uh, the industry sectors, this emission uh, tackling is the, uh, the key issues. And uh, uh, the shipping space is not the exception of it. So, um, as far as the major banks go, uh, I believe uh, there uh, many banks will follow us. But in uh, uh, the local uh, banks, uh, we still need to explain what is the PPAs and how does it affect your business? Not only banks, but also tonnage providers and the shipping companies. Um, at this moment, uh, I have to say that, that we, we have not received enough, uh, anonymous uh, the supports from our customers. So uh, it takes uh, some time to uh, get the support. But eventually, that will be the de facto standard of uh, even in a Japanese financial space, just like in uh, Europe. Okay, thank you. Uh, we, uh, we got a few questions on the Q&A, but unfortunately we have run out of time. Uh, so uh, uh, I will relay the questions to the um, individuals on the panel offline and try to see if we can get answers back to the people who posed the questions. So with that, I would like to thank all of you for uh, your time, for a good panel with uh, insightful answers. It will be very interesting to see what the future holds for the Japanese uh, market. And I look forward to hopefully seeing, uh, I guess all of you uh, somewhere, whether in Tokyo or in uh, Athens or, or Singapore, um, in the near uh, near future, uh, hopefully, once these vaccines are rolled out and the world starts going back to normal. So thanks again to all of you. Thank you very much to Capital Inc. for arranging this, uh, this uh, panel discussion. And uh, I wish you all a great day. Thank thanks, you. Nicholas. Thank you, Nicolas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.